Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Anybody want to take this one? (laughs) All right, all right, all right. In the gospel story today, we encounter a pretty curious story about a dishonest man who cheats his employer and then is commended for having acted so shrewdly. This manager is not honest at all, and it finally catches up to him. Somehow the owner finds out, and he pulls a Donald Trump and he says, you're fired. Now I commend this guy. Pastor, how can you commend this guy? I don't commend him for being dishonest, trust me. But because this guy holds true to a saying that I hold dear to my heart, and that is this, problems are simply opportunities in work clothes. This guy doesn't let the problem work him. He works the problem. This guy comes up with a plan. How many of you have ever had a plan? How'd that work out? This guy has a plan. And he takes uh, his master's bills, and he goes to the people who owe him stuff, and he gives, let's just call, an unauthorized discount. Now, let's be honest. How many of you have ever gotten an unauthorized discount because you knew a guy? Come on. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, you know, it doesn't sound like a bunch to us. I mean, when we talk about 100 jugs of oil, okay, well, that doesn't mean anything to us. To put it in perspective, a jug back in Jesus' day of oil was nine gallons. So we're not talking going over to Walgreens or CVS. We're talking Costco amounts of stuff here, okay? Bulk. 900 gallons of oil. We're talking, I mean, stacks of wheat, 100 stacks of wheat. Just That's a huge amount, just huge. So Jesus goes, or the, I'm sorry, the guy, the manager goes to this guy and says, how much do you owe, 100 jars of oil? Make it 50. What about you? What do you owe? 80 or 100 stacks of wheat, eh, make it 80. And that's the way he turned. That way when he's turned to the street, when he's out on the street being fired, people will remember, hey, remember that guy? And they'll treat him kindly and invite invite him into their houses. This makes me think of a couple things right off the bat before we get too much more into this. What are we guilty of? You know, in the confession and forgiveness that we do in the 8 and 11 o'clock traditional services, we talk about the fact in that confession that we have not loved God with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Who do you love with your whole heart? Who do you love with your whole heart? And how have you not lived up to that expectation with loving them in action and word and thought and deed. That's a hard thing to think about. And then the other thing that goes right alongside that is, this manager was trusted by the owner. Which means that the manager did something underneath that trust. Did something he shouldn't have done. In other words, he was doing things he shouldn't have been doing while nobody was looking. How are you as a follower of God as loving someone with your whole heart, who are you when that person isn't looking? Who are you when when nobody's looking? That's where this dishonest manager found himself. 
And he found that he was caught. He needed forgiveness, he needed grace, but he was fired. So what does the owner do? The owner, after this guy goes out and makes all these unauthorized discounts, he goes out, and, the, and instead of being mad at him, he kind of, I imagine the owner had a smirk on his face, and he's like, you know what, I gotta, I gotta hand it to you. I wish you were this creative when it came to actually doing your job, while you still had a job. How many of you have ever heard the old saying, necessity is the mother of invention? Anybody heard that? How many of you have kids who take that seriously? Okay. When I was uh, at the Capital University, thank you, uh, I was in an undergraduate, my undergraduate degree is in elementary education. And part of that that degree is you have to go out and you have to do student teaching and student experiences. I was in a seventh grade classroom uh, one time, and uh, I was up there with my supervising teacher, and the class was taking a quiz. And you know, how many of you, you've taken a quiz, you know what that's like, right? Everyone be quiet, don't look at anyone else's paper, just do your test. So they were taking the quiz. And I don't know how many of you know this about me, but I love watches. I love watches. I'm, I kind of just, I, I love the way they look. I love them, I love them, I love them. Don't judge me. Anyway, so I was looking out at one of the students, and the student was winding his watch. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I haven't seen a winding watch in a while. I'm going to have to talk to him afterwards. And then I noticed throughout the course of the quiz, he kept winding his watch. And I was like, that's too much. So I do what we in the biz call proximity discipline, which means I went to walk around and just kind of, I'm not going to say anything, I'm just going to walk around and go over and see what's going on. This kid, God love him, this kid gutted his watch, put a cheat sheet inside of it, and was scrolling through the answers. It was awesome. <laughs> And I sat there, and I'm like, oh, you totally get an F. But I give you two thumbs up on the F, F plus. You know, I mean, it, it was amazing. And I, and I, I was kind of, I had conflicting emotions about what to do. It was ingenious. And I, after everything was done, and I'm like, oh, he's so busted. Um, every, all the students left, and I, and I called him over, and I said, if you're that creative and smart to think to do that, why didn't you just study? And his answer was, oh. And that was it. I'm going to have to call your mom. How many of you are really creative when it comes to getting what you want? When you have something in your mind to get it, even if all signs point to no, you find a way. You want something? You want a new house? New car? New camera? Just saying, a new alarm clock, a new watch, whatever. We are so clever at coming up with ways to get what we want. Jesus today asks us the same question I asked the cheating student of mine. If you are so clever and creative and ingenious about coming up with ways of getting what you want, how much more should we be creative in ways to serve and love God. How many of you know that we have a property committee here at St. Paul? 
Okay, that's great. <laughs> Apparently none of you. We have a property committee here at St. Paul. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about them. Because one, there's a few ministries here at the church that just don't get a lot of you know, pats on the back. The freezer uh, over the summer in the back in the kitchen had some issues. And in calling the factory, they wanted or $490 to fix it. Our stewardship committee worked the problem and got it fixed for $0. Pretty good. There was a broken... Uh, yeah, hold on. I got one more. All right? There was a broken window in the narthex. The company wanted $1,600 to fix it. But the members of our property committee went out, drove, got the glass themselves, and fixed it for only $125. That's almost $1,500 in savings. In total, they reported... With all the repairs and all their effort and creativity in the months of July and August alone, our property committee had estimates for repair that totaled $4,317. They got it done for 416 Now you can clap. It saved this congregation $3,900. Many of you know kind of the financial strain we're under as a church right now. The picture, financial picture here is not looking very pretty. To be able to save $3,900 is phenomenal and goes a long way to help us do God's work with our hands. The shrewdness of the property committee leads us to Jesus' point. If you are so creative in the ways that you serve that which is temporary, how much more should we be creative in ways that we serve our God who is eternal? Jesus says, if you're honest in small things, you'll be honest in big things. If you're a crook in small things, you'll be a crook in big things. If you're not honest in small jobs, who's going to put you in charge of a store? No one can serve two bosses. He'll either hate the first and love the second, or adore the first and despise the second. You can't serve both God and wealth. Which leads me to the second part of today's story. Serving two masters. I don't know how many of you know this, and I didn't before I started researching the sermon today, that glass and mirrors are basically the same thing. Only mirrors have, nowadays, a little aluminum. Back in about 100 years ago, they had a little silver put in it, so it's reflective. There's a wonderful story that a rabbi tells, and I want to tell it to you today. I know, Caden. It's all right, bud. One more story. (laughs) One day, a certain old, rich man... Miserable in disposition, visited a rabbi. After a lengthy conversation, the rabbi took the man by the hand and took him out to a window. And the rabbi said to him, what do you see? The man said, I see men, women, and children. The rabbi then took the man by the hands and led him over to a mirror. He said, now what do you see? The man said, I see myself. Then the rabbi said, behold the window, and the mirror. There is glass in both, but the glass in the mirror is covered with a little silver. So no sooner is a little silver added that you cease to see others and see only yourself. It's so easy to be fixated on what we want. It's so fixated, it's easy 
to be consumed by what we want, our schedule, our goals, our plans. After all, we live in a world that says, look out for number one, but be sure not to step in number two. But following Jesus Christ, living a godly life, is much more meaningful than just that. It's about spiritual physics. Something has to die in order for something new to live. Death and resurrection, the recurring experience of seeing emptiness, weeping over our inability to fill it or even at times to understand it, and then listening to the sweet sound of our God speaking our names in the midst of all of it and trusting in God's promise of our salvation, made possible by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, the promise that's given to us in our baptism, reassured as we come forward for communion, that nothing, nothing in this world, not wealth, not poverty, no height, nor depth, no sword, no anything in your life ever, will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that living out that promise, we are called to passionately and lovingly tell God's story. The good news of our salvation, that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. And we are called to tell this gospel news from the place where you are while proclaiming where you are now from the gospel. God loves you so much, so much, that when humankind fell into sin, God was so passionately, lovingly creative that a way was given for our salvation. And that way is Jesus Christ. And we're called to believe it because it's true. And we're called to claim and proclaim it in our thoughts, words, and deeds. My brothers and sisters today, May God's creative work continue in all of us, as individuals, as families, and as a church, that we may passionately be committed to God's way, claiming and proclaiming the good news of Christ and doing God's work with our hands. Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.